Welcome to Gracefield Grit. I'm your host, Lana Stinner, and we are chatting all about growing your faith, family, and the backyard farm. Here at the Gracefield Homestead, we are having honest, hard, and authentic conversations with some amazing guests about getting back to the basics and what's important in life. We are not for everyone, and we don't clean up our conversations, so you will get the unedited chat. Each episode, you can expect practical tips and encouragement. I am so honored to have you join us today, so grab a cup of coffee and let's do this thing. This podcast is brought to you by the Backyard Farm Academy. Have you dreamed of fresh eggs every morning and adding chickens to your yard? Do you want a flourishing garden and fruit trees to be more self-sufficient or even honey from your own beehives? Join the Backyard Farm Academy, where we will simplify all the steps in our online training sessions that you can complete at your own pace. Go to lannacenter.com backslash academy for more information and to grab your spot. Let's get busy building your backyard farm. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Gracefield Grit Podcast. We have a wonderful guest with us today. Brittany Ann is a best-selling author, speaker, and founder of the popular website EquippingGodlyWomen.com, where she challenges and encourages and equips Christian women to be all in in faith and family. Her work has been featured on CBN, The Christian Post, Crosswalk, and more. Welcome, Brittany. We are so glad to have you join us on the Gracefield Grit Podcast today. I would love for you to just introduce yourself to our audience here. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to get to talk with you today. Um, like you said, my name is Brittany Ann, and I run the website equippinggodlywomen.com. Um, I'm an author. I do online conferences, um, all kinds of resources just to help busy Christian moms to go from kind of Sunday Christians where, okay, I am a Christian, but I don't live it out as much as I should, to really diving all in and seeing what it can look like to have this vibrant, full faith. Mm. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So on many of your different platforms, you speak about God's plan for us. In your opinion, does he have a specific plan for everyone's life? And how can someone discover it if they don't already know it? Um, Yes, absolutely. That is a great question. I believe fully that God has a plan for each of us. It tells us in the book of Ephesians that we are God's handiwork created on purpose in Christ to do the good work that he has set out for us. So each of us are going to have a different purpose. It's going to look a little bit different for everybody. And I think that's absolutely beautiful. But yes, every single person has been created by God before you were born, before you were even thought of. God said, okay, I need somebody to do this specific task, whether that is to have a job or be a mom or raise chickens or be an accountant or whatever it is that you're doing. God said, I need somebody to be in this exact place in this exact time. And he created you on purpose to fulfill whatever it is that he has for you to fulfill. Mm -hmm. That is so, so good. So how do you recommend someone that doesn't know? I've been in phases of my life where it's like, okay, God, what is next? What am I supposed to be doing here? And of course, you know, that is the point where you even double up your Bible reading, double up your prayer time. What do you suggest if someone is literally hitting a brick wall and they just don't know what God's plan is for them. 
That is a great question. So before I even answer that question, the first thing I want to talk about is a couple of myths that we have about God's will, because I think it really touches on your question that you asked, because so often you said, okay, how do we know what is God's will for our life? So often when people ask this question, it's because they're thinking, okay, God has this one big thing for me. You know, he created me to do this one huge thing. How do I figure out what this one thing is? Um, But what I want to start by saying is the fact that God doesn't just necessarily have one big thing for us to do. God has lots of different things for us to do. There might be a big thing, but there's probably also a hundred little things as well. So if you go to the book of Matthew chapter 22, it tells us in verse 37 through 40, um, in this passage, some Pharisees had come to Jesus and they were asking him, okay, Jesus, how do we follow the law? How do we know what it is that you want us to do? Basically in their own words, they were saying this Old Testament law, which back then it wasn't called the Old Testament yet, but this Old Testament law is so overwhelming. There's so many rules. There's so many things for us to do. How do we know what we should do? Do we have to follow every single law? Do we just follow some of them? How do we know what God's will for our life is in so many words. So Jesus told them, um, and it says in this verse, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So I want to start here because as we were thinking about, okay, what is it that God wants us to do? Jesus tells us very simply, he kind of sums it up in this short passage. He says, all of the laws, all of the things you could possibly do are all summed up in two things, love God and love others. So no matter what you're doing, it's going to fall under this umbrella. Now this could be big things. He could say, hey, go be a pastor, go be a missionary, go start a nonprofit. Or it could be, Hey, love your children today. Maybe your child's having a really tough day today and your will from God for today is just to give them some extra hugs, give them some encouragement to email their teacher and let them know, hey, I see something's going on. Let's talk about this. Maybe your husband's having a rough day or your best friend is thinking about doing something new or making a big decision. And God's will for you today is just to be there for them, to talk through whatever it is that they have going on in their life and to help them make a wise decision. So I want to start there. God's will is not just one big thing. Mm-hmm. It's loving God and loving others through a thousand little things. So your question was, how do we do that? Um, There's a lot of ways to figure out what is God's will. So the first is we can spend some time in prayer. And we can talk to God. Oftentimes, God will nudge us if we just take the time to stop and pay attention. Maybe we are in the checkout line at the grocery store and God says, you know, that person in front of you, why don't you go ahead and say a kind word to them or pay for their groceries or help them out or say something? Um, Sometimes God gives us those nudges that we tend to overlook or like, oh, I can't do that. That's too scary. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes he does. And that's God's will for your life. Or sometimes you just have this feeling of, you know, I should set what I'm doing aside. I should go talk to that person. I should go encourage my child. So it can be something really small like that. So I would say the first thing you want to do is to being is to be intentional and to pause, slow down a little bit and pay attention to, okay, where is God already leading you if you paid attention? Um, if you're not sure, if you say, okay, like that's great. If I know God's telling me to do something, I will do it. But for the person who's saying, okay, but I don't know what God is telling me to do. Um, then I think your next step is just to get into God's word. So often we say, you know, what would God want me to do? What should I do? What should I do? Well, you have this huge book. It's big and it's full of so much encouragement and direction that will tell you, um, love God, love your neighbor, 
be joyful, be generous, be kind. All of the things that the Bible has for us are written because God took the time to inspire the people to write down, hey, this is how you follow God's will. So we can get into some of those practical steps of, okay, what does that look like for me personally? You know, what job should I take? Should I have more kids? But I think it really starts off, first of all, with what is God's will in general? What does God want us to do for all of us as Christians? And that really boils down to loving God and loving others and figuring out how do I do that today, right where I am with the resources that I have with the people right around me. Mm -hmm. That is so good. And I love that you also mentioned, you know, spending time in the word, because I just think we're, we have our, we have so many of our audience here that has um, joined us on the one year Bible reading plan. So we finished up a month of it. Um, You know, if you're interested in doing that, it's still on the website. Um, You can start any month of the year. And it is, I've had seasons where I feel like I'm up against a wall and it's like, God, you know, I need, I want you to write on a whiteboard exactly what I'm supposed to do here. I can't decide. I don't know. And it really boils down to, you know, spending time in the word and it just, um, you know, a lot of times he speaks through that and will calm your soul and things are just crystal clear after that. So um, I agree. I think that's wonderful. So do you have any advice for those that know they're in God's will, but they don't have the support of family and friends? Um, I have a few friends that are in this situation and they know what they're supposed to be doing. And it's just, it's not an easy road because they don't have the support of certain family members. So what do you, what is your advice for them? Yeah, that's a great question because that's a really hard place to be in. And I've been in that as well, where I have just known in my soul, like, this is something that I need to do. I feel so strongly about this. It would be so amazing. It would be so good. And there are important people in my life who are like, you know, do you really have to do that thing? Or do you really have to do that thing right now? Like, can't it wait? Can't you do it in another way? So I completely understand that. I think if we look back throughout scripture, we see so many examples of times where, you know, maybe we get this feeling that following God's will should always be easy or come naturally. But you look back through scripture and you see so many times where it's not easy and it doesn't come naturally and they have to overcome a lot of obstacles. Um, I'm also reading through the Bible this year and I just, I'm in Exodus right now. Your readers are probably somewhere similar. Um, But as I read through Exodus and Moses and the plagues, and he's going to Pharaoh, and it is very clear to Moses that he is supposed to go tell Pharaoh, but there are so many obstacles in his way. So first of all, he's like, I'm not a good speaker. I can't do this. (laughs) I think that's hilarious because he's basically, I mean, it's hilarious in a bad way, Um, but he's basically telling God, no, he's like, no, I can't do it. Send somebody else. And God's like, yes, you can. Here's some miracles. And he's like, no, I can't do it. Send somebody else. And God tells him up front, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh's going to tell you no. You're going to have to go through a lot. There's going to be a lot of obstacles in your way, but this is what you are called to do. Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing is just realizing just because God calls you to do something doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that it's going to be quick or simple or that everybody in your life is going to like it or approve or agree. And that is okay. It doesn't mean that something is wrong. But that being said, um, if there are ways you can make following God's will easier on yourself, of course, we want to do so. We don't want to just say, oh, well, this is going to be hard. So we'll just let it be hard. So how can you make it a little bit easier? And I think part of that 
first of all, starts with prayer. Um, this is a prayer that I have prayed in my own life many times when I have wanted to do something and somebody else wasn't on board um, to pray, God, if this is your will for my life, would you please make it abundantly clear to me and to this other person? If it's not, then no, take it off my heart. I don't want to do it. But if this is your will, if I am hearing you correctly, please put it on their heart as well. And I've prayed that prayer and it has been so amazing to see after the fact, somebody come to me out of the blue without me even mentioning, you know, I haven't even talked about it for a while. And they came up to me and said, you know, I know that you've been wanting to do this thing. I think it's a good idea. I think we should do it. Or, you know, I know you've been wanting to do this thing and this isn't the season, but we are going to do it in the future. And that's just so fun because it was like, I had just prayed this prayer a couple of weeks ago. I hadn't talked to this person in a while and they came up to me out of the blue and I'm like, yep, I know my prayer is working. Mm -hmm. Um, So realizing that it's not going to be easy saying some prayers, but then also having conversations with them and figuring out, okay, why are you not on board? Why do you not like this idea? Maybe they have a different idea than you do of what this could look like. So you're telling them, Hey, I'm going to do this thing and it's going to be great. And it's going to be amazing. Um, I tend to have rose colored glasses where I just think everything's going to work out just how it should. I'm like, it's going to be great. There's going to be no problem. It's going to be amazing. Um, And this is why I'm so thankful that God gives me my husband and other people around me who can say, okay, but what about this? Or I know you and you tend to do things this way, or you tend to get yourself in trouble because you think things are going to turn out better than they can, than they actually are in real life. Mm -hmm. Um, So having some of those conversations, I think can help rein us in, especially for anybody who's a dreamer who wants to just go do all the things, which is totally me, um, to have those conversations to see, okay, what are you concerned about? What do you think what do you think will happen if we do this? What do you think will happen if we don't? Like, what is at stake here for you? What is the specific piece that you are not on board with? Is it the whole thing? You hate the whole idea? Or do you have a concern? Maybe they have a concern that's a very valid concern. Mm-hmm. Maybe they come to you and they say, hey, I know you. I know you always act this way. Um, You have a good heart, but I see something that you need to know. And it is good for us. It is so wise for us to have these conversations so we don't just run off and we think, oh, this is going to be amazing. But we take that counsel and say, okay, well, you know, you do have a point. I do tend to act this way. I do tend to rush in without thinking. I didn't think about this way that things could go wrong. So it's so wise to be able to think through some of the concerns that our people could have. And also to share some of our heart of why this is important. Mm-hmm. So when they don't see the vision, you know, if it is your vision from God that God has given to you, of course, you're going to be more passionate about it than anybody else. God gave this vision to you. You're the one who gets to champion it. So mm-hmm. I think over the last several years, part of this, what this has looked like for me is knowing, you know, my biggest job for my vision um, is to just be excited about it. Mm-hmm. I have so many things that I want to do. So right now I own the website, Equipping Godly Women. We do conferences. I have a book. Um, but my long-term goal is someday I would love to have a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. I would absolutely love. And I don't even know all the details yet. I just know it's something that's on my heart for in the future, but we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. And I think about, okay, if I have a mailing list, I have an email list. If my mailing list has 5,000 people on it and someday I'm making up numbers here, but someday I send out this email and I say, today is the day. I've been talking about this for years. I'm so excited. We're opening up a nonprofit. We're going to, I don't know, do what? We're going to help children in third world countries to have clean water and education and food and all of the things, whatever it is. Um, 
and I send out this email, if I send it out to 5,000 people and I say, hey, will you give us $1? And those 5,000 people, of course, not all of them will, but some will give more. If I send it out to 5,000 people, that's $5,000, we can do some good. But what if my I grow my email list even bigger and I grow it to 20,000 or 100,000 or 500,000 and I send out that exact same email, but now I have 500,000 people who are giving a dollar and that's why it matters to me. And that's why I care so much. It's, I mean, one of the many reasons because I love equipping godly women. That's my whole website, but I want to grow because I want to have this community of women who are on fire for their faith so that someday when I start this nonprofit and I say, hey, we've been talking about this. We've been talking so much about giving. And I have this community of women who say, take my money. You want a dollar? You want more? Just take it. Go mm-hmm. do good because I've spent years building up this thing. That's why this matters to me. I'm not just doing it because I like writing or I, you know, it's something I can do from home. Although those are major perks. It's because I see this vision. Mm-hmm. So when I talk to my husband, when I talk to my children, when I talk to my mom and my mother-in-law and my best friends and all of the people who are affected by the number of hours that I work and they see, okay, you're working really hard. You're not doing these things we would like you to do. Maybe um, just last week, my husband took the kids sledding and I didn't go. Mm-hmm. And they see, okay, mom didn't come for this. Mom wasn't available for this. It can be hard for my family to see, okay, well, mom wasn't here for this, or mom didn't show up in this way, or mom dropped the ball in this area because I'm human and I drop balls. Mm -hmm. But if I tell them, no, this is why we're building this. This Mm -hmm. is why this matters. This is why I'm doing this thing. Then we can have a conversation and they can say, okay, well, we do want you to come for some things, but it's Mm -hmm. okay if you don't go sledding. It's cold. I don't want to be out there on the snow hill. It's too cold. Mm -hmm. So we can have that conversation. We can decide what is reasonable. Okay. This would be reasonable, but we understand why it's also okay to make a sacrifice in this area. And if you let them know, this is what we're going for. Mm -hmm. This is why it matters. I think it's a lot easier for people to get on board. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And amen to that. I love that. I love that. So speak to, to the part of the struggle when... For example, if one of our audience members knows they're on the right path and all of a sudden they get hit with a struggle, mm-hmm. um, speak to that a little bit. I know, you know, with mine, as soon as I signed up my, I had a two book deal and getting in magazines and all these things are going great. And then boom, right as I start writing the book, um, I have a peach sized brain tumor. And my first reaction is, God, I know this was the path that you had. What the heck are you doing? What? And so now being two years past that, you know, no deficits, no treatments, no cancer, no problems whatsoever. Yes, it's a complete miracle, but I can see his work through that. Um, And mine was such a, I mean, it sounds so overly dramatic, but it really was not that big a deal. It was like a really tough month with the surgery. You know, it freaked everybody out seeing the scans and they got me in immediately. And um, so it was really a very short time frame. There wasn't a lot of time to dwell and think about it. Um, And so I feel like I had a very easy situation, but other people are in the middle of that. They're in the middle of God's plan. It's beyond a shadow of a doubt. They're right on the right path. They get hit with something. Maybe it's a, you know, a spouse loses a job or, you know, a kid has a health issue or, you know, there could be a million different things that people get hit with. How do you... 
how do you get through that? How, I don't feel like mine was a normal situation because it was so quick and God healed me. And um, I don't know why I was so blessed. And most people don't have that happy ending so quickly like I did. Um, So speak a little bit to that. If you're on God's path and you get sidelined, you know, what is your advice for that? I think the first thing is just realizing how normal that is and how everybody is going through something that makes it difficult. I think it's really easy to get online and to see authors and bloggers and all these people, even just like the other mom from your kid's school or from your church where you're like, she has got it all together. Like she is so skinny and her kids always look perfect and everything's just amazing. And you see their lives from the outside. And it's easy to think that, oh, they have it all together. They just have it easier. They just won the lucky lottery and they got what they needed. But just realizing that that you're only seeing somebody's highlight reel. I know that this is a quote that gets passed around all of the time, but I think it's so easy to forget is you're only seeing their highlight reel. You're not seeing the behind the scenes of what they go through Mm -hmm. and what it takes to create whatever God is calling you to create. And of course he calls us all differently. Some people, he might just call them to do something small, some people, something big. Mm -hmm. Um, But no matter what it is, I think that all of us, myself included, don't always realize all of the hard work that goes into it. Mm -hmm. So for example, yesterday I was talking to my kids about an email. That's a big part of what I do is I send out emails and I get paid to do that. And it's great. Um, And yesterday I was talking to one of my kids and I was telling them, or we at the dinner table, we all go around and say, what was one good thing about our day? And it just happened that yesterday I said, oh, or the thing that I'm thankful for today is that I got that email figured out because I had to send out a sponsored email, but for some reason, the HTML was broken and it was like this techie issue and it took us a whole day to get it fixed, but we got it fixed and I got it sent out and I got paid to send out this email. And so that just happened to be what I was thankful for yesterday that I got it figured out. We got it sent. I am glad to be done with that. And my, one of my kids, um, I told them how much I got paid for this email. And one of my kids was like, you got paid that much to send one email. Now, to be clear, I don't for all of this emails. It just happened to be a sponsored email. And they were like, how do you get paid? Why would people pay you that much money to send one email? I could send one email. I could get on right now and I could send this many emails. And I said, okay, well, I have a lot of people on my email list. So, you know, it costs money to do that. And he was like, well, I know a lot of people. And he's like trying to think of all the people he knows. I'm sure I could find this many people. And, and just, seeing it from his child's perspective, he Mm -hmm. sees, oh, mom sent an email. And I bet they probably wrote a lot of that email for you. It was probably really easy to send it out. And you know what? It was really easy to send it out. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was just like, you know, he doesn't have that perspective. Yes, it was easy to do that. But it is because I've spent the last 10 years of my life sending out emails for free and learning and taking expensive classes and talking to people and creating things that didn't work. And people today don't see all of the things I created five years ago that didn't work. Because they didn't work. And we don't talk about those again. We learn from them and we create new things. And so I think it was just such a good example that he, all he saw was, oh, mom sent an email and he didn't see everything that went into it. And I have these same conversations with other friends when we set goals for ourselves, and we hope like, oh, I hope I get this thing. And we have these behind the scenes conversation of, oh, I didn't get the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, my last I have eight books out now. My previous book hit the ECPA bestseller list. I was really excited. I was really hoping that this book would as well. And it didn't. Mm-hmm. And I had a conversation with a friend who had a book come out at the same time. And we were both kind of like, oh, our books didn't make the list. 
I mean, maybe that seems like vain to care about. We were like hoping it would get the list and more people would hear about it and more people would be helped. Um, it just would be a fun thing. We worked really hard. It'd be great. Um, but it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so I was just giving her this encouragement. Like it feels like that this is something that should just be easy, that it should just be like, oh, well, we wrote a thing. So of course we should get appreciated for it. Of course we should get acknowledged. But what I was telling her is, I think so often we don't realize how hard it is to do all of these things that we want to do. Mm-hmm. We don't realize all of the behind the scenes struggles. We don't realize all of the things. I think having a tumor is a huge thing, but mm-hmm. everybody goes through something different. For me, um, when I got my book contract, it was right before COVID hit. And then suddenly I had books to write with kids home constantly. And we got a puppy and everybody got sick and it was just a couple mm-hmm. of years of just like, goodness, please help me get through this day. Yeah. You know, waking up early, writing in the margins, doing whatever I can. And everybody has a different heart. Mm-hmm. But the truth is it's hard and you just don't see how hard it is until you're in it. And that's mm-hmm. probably a good thing. It's probably the same as like with parenting before your parent, you're like, oh, that'll be easy. I will feed my kids organic things all of the time and it'll be amazing. And they will never beg for things at the checkout and they will never whine and they will never hit because obviously it's so easy. You just do this thing. Right. And then you have kids and all of your plans go out the window and you're like, oh, yeah, that was a lot harder. And the second one is treated way different than the, yes. the first because you, you've learned it all. But it's probably a good thing you don't know, because if we all knew how hard it was, we might think twice about having so many kids. Right. And and you don't know ahead of time, but that's probably a gracious thing. So you just jump in and you say, you know what? This is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. There's a quote that I heard. I don't remember the exact quote, but I wrote it up on my whiteboard in my office for a while. That was, you know, this is the price of admission. Are you willing to pay it? Mm-hmm. And I had to just decide every single day, yes, this is going to be hard, but I am going to do it because this vision that I have that I talked about a minute ago, um, keeping that vision, this is too important. Mm-hmm. If I have to wake up early a couple of times so that someday I can start a nonprofit so some mom can feed her kids, that is worth the price mm-hmm. of admission. Mm-hmm. My kids, when they are hungry, they go to the pantry and they complain that they don't like the food that we have because I didn't get the crazy snacks that they want. Like, you are fine. There are kids. Right in the world right now, whose mothers are trying to decide which one am I going to feed today? Mm-hmm. There are kids who their mothers are selling them into sex slavery because they just can't, they mm-hmm. don't have an option. They would love to go out and get a job, but they can't, they don't have that opportunity available to them. But you know what? I have a computer. I have mm-hmm. internet. I have time. My kids go to school. I have time during the day where I can sit and yes, it's going to be hard. And yes, there are going to be a thousand things that break and a thousand things that go wrong. And then there's going to be so many days where I don't want to, and I don't feel like it. And I would rather lay down and I'm tired and I'm drinking coffee and I'm eating too many cookies and I should take better care of myself. But mm-hmm. I think about that mom who doesn't have the opportunities. And I do, mm-hmm. that's not fair. How is it fair that I have all of these blessings? And if you were listening to this podcast right now, that is you too. You have a device where you were able to listen to a podcast. You have the time to listen in to a podcast right now. You are so blessed. You are so lucky. And I just feel this sense of responsibility of there are people who weren't blessed with all of the things that I have been blessed with. Yes, I have problems. We all do, but we have so many blessings. Mm-hmm. How can I use those to make a difference? So I think just getting that vision praying, Mm -hmm. asking God, why did you create me? What did you put me on this earth to do? And if I have to wake up early, if I have to tell my kids to go play in the other room for a minute, if I have to deal with a few tech issues that are annoying, if I have to you know, pay hundreds of dollars to get something fixed, that's driving me crazy. I will do that. And I will do that happily because Mm -hmm. I know that what I am doing matters. Mm -hmm. And 
if that's the price of admission, I will happily pay and I will show up every day. And um, another thing I was going to add as well is just to keep in mind that even if you only make a little bit of progress, a little bit of progress every day adds up. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's ever been a day in my whole entire life that I was like, I checked off my whole to-do list today and mm-hmm. I am feeling good and I'm happy. And I did all of it. I did all of the mm-hmm. things I wanted to do. I know a big part of that is I make my to-do list too long and I am aware of this, mm-hmm. but every <laughs> single day, every single day, I'm yeah. like, there's always more to do. There's always more. I could have done it better. I could have done more every single day. I feel that, mm-hmm. but every single day I can do something. I can't yes. do everything. I will not get there tomorrow. I will not get there next week. I will not get there next year, but every single day, what can I do? What is the one thing that I can do that is going to make the biggest difference? I don't want to spin my wheels on a thousand things. I want to say, what is the one thing that I'm going to do today? And if every single day I show up and every single day, I just make a little progress and a little progress, even if it feels like you're crawling, even if you're like, oh, I should be so much farther along by now. Every single person feels like, oh, I should be so much farther along by now. Every single person feels that way. Mm-hmm. But you know what? You're a lot farther than you were last month or last right. week. If you just take those steps and you just keep going, it does add up over time. That's so good. And just showing up and keeping that perseverance makes a world of difference. I mean, I think that is such a key concept. It's at that point when you are hitting that brick wall and coming up with a struggle, big or small, because a lot of times it's the 10 small ones with technology mm-hmm. and all the little things. You know, you know, when you're hitting a big struggle, okay, it's time to click into God and, you know, shed all my responsibilities and press in and get prayers and all the things. It's the daily little junk of the struggles um, that hit you 10 times a day that are harder to do that with, for me anyway. Um, But it's just perseverance, pressing into God and, um, you know, staying on your path. And maybe God will use that struggle. I know in my Mm -hmm. situation, he's used it. Um, I haven't shared a lot about it, but, uh, you know, I've done a couple podcasts on it and shared it in some of my stories. And um, you would not believe the amount of uh, comments and people saying they shared it with someone else that had a brain tumor and all these things. And so, you know, what looked like a horrific situation for me and, um, you know, a roadblock ended up truly being a gift that I can share. And, you know, maybe in the future, I'll share more about it, but um, he does, he uses the mess and the struggles even in our plan. And sometimes it's a little, detour that we don't like, (laughs) but um, he definitely uses that. So that's really good. So why do so many Christians disagree about how to live out and understand the word correctly? It seems like, um, you know, since COVID in the last couple of years, the political scene, there's just so much division and it's not really just on the political scene. The church is divided. So speak to that for a minute on, you know, just how how to understand the word correctly and why there's so much division among the Christian church. Yeah. I absolutely agree that it feels like there is more division than ever. But I want to add to that also that part of that is because those who are on the ends of the spectrum are often the loudest. Mm-hmm. If you are getting on social media and you're trying to take a very middle of the approach, middle of the road approach. And you're saying, oh, well, I can see both sides. It's not going to get 
as much attention as the people who are shouting loudly from one side or the other. So part of it is just the fact of what we pay attention to, what is more noticeable. If if you went and you talked to all of the people around you in real life, if you are a kind of middle of the road person, you know, probably a lot of them are pretty middle of the road too. And they're not saying a lot on social media because there's not a lot to say. They're learning. I don't say a lot on social media because I am pretty middle of the road. I see some of both sides and I want to learn. I don't have all of the answers. So I'm not trying to get out there and shout about things. Um, so I think that there is a much bigger population who isn't as extremist. You just don't hear from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of why we can be so divided, there's a hundred reasons. Um, I think one of them though, is just the fact that we care so much because mm-hmm. we care so much about our faith. We care so much about how we raise our kids. We care so much about our laws because they affect our day-to-day life and it's good. And we should care and we should do those things. But I think we need to go back and look in the gospels at how Jesus lived his life. So when Jesus walked the earth, Christians were not a popular group. They were not in favor. Um, or I guess the Jewish people, because it was before Christians was necessarily a thing, but they didn't have political power. And the Jewish people expected that the Messiah would come and he would restore them as a nation. He would restore them to political power. And that's what they were wanting. Um, we even see in Acts, in the very first book of Acts, where the people say, okay, then Jesus, now that you're here, is it time? Are you going to restore us to political power? And he's like, no, that's not what I came here for. Mm-hmm. I didn't come so that you could have political influence. Not that there's anything wrong with that. We need Christians in politics. Absolutely. We need Christians in every sphere. We need Christians in schools. We need them in businesses. We need them everywhere. But Jesus didn't come to have a political platform. That's wasn't his purpose. He came and he inspired the people around them, around him without having to go through the government to do it. He started a movement. So I think so often we get caught up in thinking, oh, well, if the lawmakers would make the laws that I wanted, or if the right people would get into power, then everything would be okay. But I think we need to take a step back and say, okay, what are we putting our faith in? What are Mm -hmm. we putting our trust in? Are we saying in our laws we trust, in our government officials we trust? Is that what we're relying on for our salvation? Is that going to bring about any kind of meaningful heart change? Mm -hmm. I think if we stop and think about it, you can't create laws that create heart change. That's not how our hearts are changed. That's not going to make a real difference. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is something people care about and you should, you should care about, Mm -hmm. but I think we need to just realize, yes, that is one Avenue, but it's only one Avenue. Mm -hmm. It is the Holy spirit who changes our hearts. And that's done through prayer, through time in God's word, through relationships with those around us. And yes, those in political power do have power and we should lobby and do the things that we should do, but we shouldn't depend on that or rely on that as though, Hey, if we could just get some Christian laws in our nation, everything would be fine. Um, So I think that's part of where the division comes from, but then also our background comes into play a lot of the time as well. So I grew up in one faith tradition and my husband is also, we're both Christian, but he grew up in a completely different denomination. Mm -hmm. And I have had conversations with his mother um, where she has asked me like, Hey, I know that you grew up differently than I do. And when I read my Bible, I read this verse this way. 
But when you read it, you read it a different way. Why is that? And so that was really interesting to get into. Okay, why do I read this this way? Why do I understand it this way? And for both of us, a lot of the reason is because that's how we had been taught. And it was very unsettling to reach my 20s. So I grew up in the church. I'm a pastor's granddaughter. I went to Bible college. I was in Bible quizzing. I won all of the things. And I reached my 20s like, oh, I know my Bible. I know what it says. Like, I will like give you your five-point sermon. I will tell you all the things. I feel very comfortable spouting some scriptures. But having this conversation with somebody who thinks differently than I do and seeing how she got to that opinion and then going back and saying, okay, well, what if, what if I go to the Bible and I don't approach it through the lens of what I've always been taught, but what if I go to the Bible and I say, okay, I'm going to set all of my preconceived ideas aside for just a minute. And I'm going to look up a bunch of verses on this topic. What does the Bible say? So if we go to the Bible and let the Bible inform our theology instead of taking our theology. (laughs) Yes. Such a simple concept. Looking up those verses that are going to support what we want, because you can make the Bible, honestly, there's a quote. I don't remember the exact quote, but you can make the Bible say anything you want to. If there's a thing, and the Bible has been used to justify so many things. So if you're starting with, hey, this is what I believe. I'm going to go find a verse on that. It's a little bit of a backwards way to approach things and you can absolutely take it out of context. But if you are willing to take the time to set aside your ideas and say, okay, what does the Bible say on this? What does, when I get on social media and people strongly disagree and they're on the other side, why do they think that? And having these conversations, and that's part of why I'm quiet online is because I want to learn, like, why do you think that? Mm -hmm. Like, where are you seeing that? What, what is this coming from? And then go into the Bible with your questions. Now the Bible is not going to give you a um, step-by-step here is exactly how this applies to your life today. You have to understand and research and pray. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you get in there, you can say, huh, I see how they got that. Mm-hmm. They have a different life experience than I do. They grew up in a different way than I do. They emphasize one part of the Bible over another. That's been one of the most interesting parts of my husband and I growing up in different denominations is I can learn, oh, this is how your church does it. And this is how my church does it. Mm-hmm. And neither is wrong or bad, but like, that's interesting that you mm-hmm. kind of do things this way. And that informs so much of the way that your pastors preach is because it's coming from this. And that informs so much of why my churches do the things that they do is because it's coming from this. And so I think just being open and willing to ask Mm -hmm. some of those conversations, where's this coming from? What verses are you getting this from? Mm -hmm. Often the truth, you know, maybe we're both wrong. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I will just add to that going deeper in like the Hebrew and the Greek, like the original language there are so many misinterpretations. And if you really do, I wish I had, you know, I wish I had double the time that I have to really be a Bible nerd and get more into that. But um, that is where it becomes crystal clear when you start looking into the original language and the translations and and all of that. So um, I think that's Uh, so important just to, like you said, come in at at a fresh view and really deep dive on something and question where you're coming from, coming to that and uh, looking at it from fresh eyes. I love that. So, you know, our last question that I want to ask, and I know I've kept you a little bit longer than I thought I would, um, tell us a little bit about how to approach other 
like non-believers or someone that you want to share your faith with without the the Christian community has come off so pushy and so negative. Um, there is a lot of legit horrible stories out there on worship teams and, you know, all the media that's come on pastors falling in all the things. Um, we have a bad rap out there right now. And I think that's just common. And, you know, people are human and we're going to sin and all of that kind of stuff. How do we approach someone that we're wanting to share the word with without just being pushy and obnoxious. Um, there are those, like you said, online that are just absolutely obnoxious and they're hateful. And you just think, you know, no one's going to come, come to Christ through you being that way. So just be nice, you know, and, um, and I know that's not always the answer, but speak to that for a minute on just how we don't come off so pushy and really be effective showing the love of Christ. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, different people are saved in different means. So maybe somebody does get saved from arguments online. Um, maybe, I mean, I have had um, watched conversations online that did kind of change my mind on a little bit of things, even though they were kind of taking an angry approach. So yes, there is some good that can come out of those, but really it's not the best way. And I just think about, you know, if I wasn't a Christian and all I saw were these angry people, would I want to be a Christian? Like, no, I wouldn't mm -hmm. because so many people give it such a bad rap. It's like the Bible says, as Christians, we will be known for our love. Is that what we're being known for? Or are we being known for just yelling at people, for just mm -hmm. beating people over the head with the Bible? Nobody's interested in that. Nobody wants that. Um, maybe some people do, but you know, for most of us, like, no, you just turn that off. You sound awful. Mm -hmm. Um, so yes, I completely agree. So often I'm like, you know, would I be a Christian if that is all I saw? Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing that we need to do is to present a better picture. And this is what I love to do and try to do through equipping godly women is to prevent, to present a better picture of this is what it can look like to be a Christian. That's all in. This is what it can look like to just love God and to trust him and to walk in his way. And this is what it can look like to be so excited about my faith and to be genuine and authentic in my faith. And it doesn't have to look that other way. So just for you personally to live out your faith and live it out to the fullest and to get excited and to love God and to share what he has done through your life, I think is the biggest thing to just present. This is what it can look like. Um, but the second thing that I think is so important to remember is that when Jesus came, he didn't ask the people to get their life together first mm -hmm. so that they can follow him. We do not follow God's laws so that we can have a relationship with him. We follow God's laws because we have a relationship with him. There are things that God has told us to do. And there are so many things that God has said, this is good and this is bad. This is right and this is wrong. And I personally, I want to follow these rules because I know that God loves me. I know that he created everything. I know that he is for me. I know that his way is best. I have this relationship with him that I've grown over decades. So I can have this trust in him that, you know, I don't understand. Maybe I don't know if I would make the same decision because I'm a, feel, a flawed human and I I, I don't know what I would do, but I can trust that the God who created everything, who knows everything, if he says that this is good, then I can trust him that this is good, even if I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important to remember because so often we try to beat people over the head with our Bibles and say, well, why aren't you following these rules? You should do these things. Well, why should they follow your rules? Mm-hmm. 
the reason I follow these rules is because I trust God because I have a relationship with them because I want to grow in it. But if you take God out of the equation, if they don't have that relationship with him, why would they, why, like just logically, why would somebody listen to somebody that they don't believe exists? Mm -hmm. Why would somebody care about following somebody who they don't think actually cares about them or wants what's in their best interest? Mm -hmm. So yes, there are things that God tells us this is right. And this is wrong. And that is true. Those are not changing. However, that all starts because of the relationship we have with God in the first place. If we don't have that relationship, if we don't believe in God, we don't believe he exists. We don't believe that he loves us. We don't believe that he knows what he's talking about. Then why would we listen? Right. So I think it starts there. I think it starts with having that relationship with showing people, this is what it can look like with encouraging them, with giving them the truth of, you know what? There is a God mm-hmm. and he loves you and he mm-hmm. created you on purpose and he wants what's best for you. And I think starting there mm-hmm. and just loving on people. And that's what God, I mean, we started this whole conversation. What does God want us to do? Jesus tells us, love God, love others. Mm -hmm. If you're doing those two things and you're showing this is what it can look like and you're showing not, Hey, this is the rule. You better follow it. But let me tell you what God is doing in my life. I used to be like this. I was a disaster. Mm -hmm. I used to be like this, but God, he Mm -hmm. did this in my life and just being excited and sharing that with people. Then that's going to make people curious to have that relationship. And then you can get into some of those law kind of conversations when the Holy Spirit is working on their heart, but you don't start with the laws. Right. Right. Yes. Because we are all sinners. I mean, grace, grace is everything. And like you mentioned, you know, we're, we're not perfect and it's, it's his grace saved us and he can use that mess, whatever mess you were in and redeem it and make it something beautiful. And all the judgy at the beginning of, you know, you don't want someone in your church that looks like this or acts like this and all that. And that is the yes, church <laughs> is the place for everyone to go and to grow their relationship with God. It is not clean yourself up before you get into the church. It's just that's such a backwards thinking. So mm-hmm. um, I appreciate you sharing that. So tell our friends here online, um, you have a book out. So tell them a little bit about that and where they can find you online. Yes. Thank you for asking. So my latest book is called Follow God's Will, Biblical Guidelines for Everyday Life. And it basically helps Christian women to answer the question of, okay, what does God want from me? What do I do? Whether that is in the little things of how do I love my family today, or you're trying to answer the big questions of, you know, what career should I do? Should I go back to work? Should I have more kids? Whatever it is where you you are asking yourself, okay, what would God want me to do here? How would Jesus want me to handle this situation? I feel like that's a question so many women are asking themselves right now. How do I do this? What does this look like? Um, Follow God's will gives you a very practical step-by-step framework for getting in the scriptures, for understanding what they say, and then applying them to your own life. So um, again, that book is Follow God's Will, and you can learn more on my website, equippingatgodlywomen.com. Okay, wonderful. And are you on any of the social medias? I (laughs) am, but I try not to be. Um, (laughs) I have have platforms. I'm equipping Godly women on everything. Um, But really the best way to connect with me is through my website, through my email list. That's what I'm really most passionate about. Um, For anyone who's okay with getting emails, I love sending out two or three times a week, just encouragement, practical resources, things that I love um, to meet you right where you are, to help you grow in your faith, to challenge you and encourage you and equip you as you go all in with this amazing, wonderful creator. 
I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for joining us today, Brittany. And um, we look forward to, you know, chatting with you again and just diving into this topic of God's will. I think um, you have some wonderful resources there on your website. And so I hope our friends will go check it out. Thanks for coming today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today in this episode of Gracefield Grit. I know that your time is valuable and I truly appreciate you being here. I hope it was helpful and that you'll share it with a friend. In order to schedule amazing guests on our show, we could use some good reviews. So if you've enjoyed this episode, I'd be honored if you could head over to the podcast app on your phone, tap the album art for the Gracefield Grit podcast, scroll down to the bottom of the page and write a review. I'm looking forward to our next episode and I hope you'll join us again. Blessings to you today, friend, as you live out your own grace-filled grit.